today we have fan favorite Utah Shakespeare Festival actor Quinn Matfield. Quinn is the director of the current Shakespeare and the School's touring production of Macbeth. Quinn played Sir Andrew Agucheek in Twelfth Night, Edward Ferrers in Sense and Sensibility, and Robert in Boeing Boeing in this last 2014 summer and fall season here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. He has previously directed for Pacific Conservatory Theater and the festival's New American Playwrights Project. Today we will be discussing his direction of the Macbeth Touring production, which has just started its 80-plus performances visiting Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, Idaho, as well as Utah. You can find more information about the tour on the Utah Shakespeare Festival website, www.bard.org, under the Education tab. This includes a schedule of performances near you. Uh, I'm here with Quinn Matfield. It's the second time we've had the pleasure of talking yes. to you for the podcast. Thanks. I know. Where's Grant? Where is Grant? He, could, he couldn't make it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Last time, it took all the pressure off me. It was just like the, the Grant Quinn show. I just got to sit here and laugh along That's what the you. dressing room is like, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Now I know why you keep coming back. That's man. right. <laughs> so uh, you've I read the interview on the Utah Shakespeare Festival Insider's blog. Yeah. Uh, and you talked about just about knowing this play by heart. <laughs> you've directed it at PCPA? No. Right uh, well, I You've acted in it here. I've acted in it here. Okay. I did it when I was young, when I was like 22 or something like yeah. that. Um and then I I I've I use it a lot. I used gotcha. it a lot in class when I taught class. As a teaching tool. Yes, yeah. because it's so good yeah. and it's it's just fantastic and it's a great one of those like it's a great example of how deep the rabbit hole goes in Shakespeare. Yeah, you know what I mean? That if sure. you start mining this play, uh-huh. it just ke- you keep finding new levels, new depths, and yeah. new bottoms, and then, and then you realize that that's not the bottom, and there's something below that, and there's and it's it it can be addictive. I also get to that point a lot of times in class where I'll go. Okay, let's stop talking about Macbeth yeah. now, because it's freaking me. Because <laughs> it's a really... If we don't cap this deliberately, it's never going to end. That's right. And yeah. it's and it's it's a really dark play. Yeah, it's a it is really a dark, play. dark play. It is a dark play. Um, you set up my next question. We're, we're kind of trying to tailor this podcast for, for the teachers yeah. that, that um, arrange for their students to see this touring production. Uh-huh. And uh, you introduced that perfectly. Uh, can you talk a little bit about... The process of, of directing this play, if you were to come at it and you had the full two hours and, you know, ten minutes. Sure. Uh, but but you're coming at this with a very specific, you know, a younger audience yeah. in mind. Uh, it's an abridgment. It's yeah. a shorter version of the play. Yeah. Um, how does that change your process? It Well, it changes the process in that I had to sit down with the tour script that Michael uh-huh. gave me and go, this is a great starting place and where do I want to go from here so part of it was taking out a couple of things that were in there that I Uh thought didn't really tell the story that I was interested in and then adding a couple of things back in that told the story that I love about Macbeth it's interesting to me so there was that process and then I sent Michael the 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 touring script that said when you take out Hecate uh-huh. Um, and when you take out the parade of kings in the cave in yeah. f- in four uh, four two, I think it is, uh, you 
you realize that it's like, well, that's pretty close. That's pretty close to what what we need. I mean, that's got that gets you definitely under two hours. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So from there, we just have to make a 75 minute version. So it was just about streamlining what we had at that point and gotcha. making it a coherent story. Yeah. Um. So, so part of it for me is like I I, I sort of feel like this is. Not much longer than this is the way Macbeth always should be, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, one yeah. of the shortest plays that he wrote. I think the play Macbeth has less lines than the character of Hamlet. Oh, wow. So Macbeth and Comedy of Errors uh -huh. are... The two uh, shortest. Two, yeah, two yeah. really short ones. My buddy Jeff uh, Kent, who directed the fight, said uh -huh. he would actually like to do... Uh, Macbeth with no intermission, Comedy of Errors with no intermission, and do them both in the same night. And I was like, <laughs> wow. yeah, I could see that. Yeah. That'd be great. You get your money's worth, Yeah, man. right, right, totally. Right I'd be stoked as an audience member, that's for sure. I think you'd have to do comedy second. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't so think you too. want to lead into no. Macbeth with Comedy of Errors. No, that's going to that's gonna ruin some people's expectations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, is there, if there was one thing you could say... Um, uh, pretend for a minute you're kind of giving a pitch for this production. Sure. Uh, you know, for these drama coaches and teachers, students. What uh, what what are some of the big takeaways uh, you hope some of these teachers might present to their students, and some of the things, maybe some things uh, that people don't talk about as much. The uh, as far as Macbeth coming at it from a director and a performer is it's different than coming at it, you know, from a high school teacher's perspective. I'm sure it so. is. It is especially, you know, in in high school. When I was in high school, I loved Shakespeare already. I was cool. totally into Shakespeare, and but it was, I think, more um, in a it, 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 from a very different perspective than I have now about Shakespeare. I'm I'm just much more interested in. Um, I was telling you before, our, our late friend Michael Flockman used to uh -huh. used to talk about expectational fallacy and yeah. coming into a show and expecting what you're what you know what you're going to see. The uh -huh. witches will be dancers and they'll move around a lot. Yeah, uh, and they'll be scary dance ladies. Woo, ladies, woo yeah. girls, <laughs> um, woo girls. Yep, uh, and. Uh, and everyone will be wearing black, yeah. and the set will be in ruins, and you go, well, I'm not going to get too attached to this so these, or any of these, <laughs> these people. Characters. because um, it's true. So, and, and, you know, I've seen it very goth, and it's always very dark. And I think that is I think that is the expectation yeah. we have coming into Macbeth. And I Absolutely. think that's great. But I remember saying to um, the designers what I really – I want mm -hmm. this to feel like – when they come back from the war, I want it yeah. to feel like much ado about nothing. We've okay. just won a war. Yeah. And we have a national hero. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then witches show up. Yeah. So that we go, we, I want to root for this guy. Sometimes you see Macbeth, he, you know, he kills MacDonwald, and the, uh -huh. which is pretty typical. And we have that moment in our version as well. Uh -huh. But it's brutal, and you all of a sudden think, wow, this guy could go really bad places. Yeah. Instead of going, sure. wow, this uh -huh. guy is a fighter. Yep. He's got something to live for. When you when we see him with his wife, it, it's a you know they they say that it's like the one functional marriage that Shakespeare wrote, um, and it really is. Which is kind of paradoxical. Yeah, I yeah. mean at least if you have take the perspective that a lot of people do. Yeah, the, the black, the goth, the dancing. Right. And so for and and so the other thing is that this show is about ambition, and I. I think ambition and power is what you hear. Ambition and power is what yeah. you hear. And Shakespeare uses the word. He's a word guy. He's a sound guy. Absolutely. He was ne these plays were never meant to be read by anyone other than actors and not for very long. It's true. Um, so when you listen to the play, the word ambition shows up twice. Yeah. And once it's Lady Macbeth saying, you have some ambition, yeah. but not the illness that should attend it. So your yes. ambition is insufficient. Gotcha. 
The play, the word that appears most when I was looking at the play is the word done. D-O-N-E. Okay. Done. And you would think, okay, well, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But when they keep saying it over and over again, what's done cannot be undone. Yeah. Uh, this will undo us. They keep saying the deed. I have done the deed. There's something about that repetition of that sound that it, and that idea of what I have done uh -huh. coming back to undo me. Gotcha. There's something about that idea that's replete in the script and that Shakespeare is working with. And you see that weird, creepy genius brain of his yeah. meditating on the idea of done. Uh -huh. I think it even shows up. And this this is one of those things that you all, always, when you're working on Shakespeare, you go, was this intentional? And after every single play, yeah. asking yourself, was this intentional? You have to go, yeah, it was probably it intentional. Yeah. He was probably just that brilliant. Uh -huh. But there's this thing about knocking, you know, Macbeth says, it makes my seated heart knock at my ribs. Yeah. There's a knocking at the gate. Yeah. Whence is that knocking? And knocking is the sound of uh -huh. dun, dun, dun. It's you true. know what I mean? So, it yeah. is that, it is that, it is that sound that, and, and deed, you know, it has that, it has that, um, punctual, that punctual, yeah. uh, percussive feel yeah. to it. So this entire play for me ha has, um, they have a lot of stabs. They're fighting yeah. with quarter stabs, uh -huh. but the quarter stabs are also used to knock on the floor. They're making yeah. knocking sounds um, every time. And and we, like I said, we went down the rabbit hole of threes. Uh -huh. Everything in this play is threes. Is in threes. That makes sense. If it so. can't be in three, it's in six. If it can't be in six, it's in nine. Gotcha. Watch the play and count. I'm not kidding. Everyone does everything three times. There's awesome. three breaths in the beginning when bells ringing three times. So for you're trying you're trying to accentuate. These this sort of roundness you see of the words done, undone, deed, the yep. cacophonous yes. nature of the yes. play. Yes, yes, right? the percussive nature and the fact that it starts. I mean, uh -huh. that you know, the witches say a drum, a yeah. drum, Macbeth yeah. hath come. So we know he's coming because we hear ba boom, ba boom, ba boom, you know, uh -huh. whatever. Exactly. Or in our case, boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, boom. That's the thing that sort of repeats for us and is is throughout the script and throughout this production is that there's something about that sound. And I think for Shakespeare, yeah. the story that he's, te he's telling, or at least the story that we're trying to highlight in this version, uh -huh. is that what, uh, what you do has, and I don't think it's a moral. I think this yeah. play happens outside of a, a, in sort of a moral wilderness that you show Absolutely. up to one part of the forest yeah. and you see something that is, fair and you show up to the other part of the forest and now it's become foul so That's foul true. and fair a day i have not seen you there's all of this that that depending on your location yeah. what you think is right and what you think is wrong uh has changed yeah and you see that change and you see that these people take actions that they go i know this is wrong but once i'm done with it it's over and there's no more and it actually is and they keep seem, they seem to keep telling themselves they that. seem to keep telling like we've, themselves. okay we've reached that place we were always moving towards that's right and here we are but it's never quite that simple and and lady macbeth thinks uh -huh. yeah we're done who yeah. cares if anybody thinks that we killed the king to yeah. take his place it doesn't matter and macbeth says no there's loose ends yeah we have to tie up one more loose end uh -huh. and then one more loose end and then one more loose end and yeah. so so it, it, i'm trying to highlight with all of these characters, not yeah. just Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, mm -hmm. that the small decisions that they've made have huge consequences for their yeah. life. And I think Shakespeare's putting it throughout. Macduff yes. goes to England to save Scotland. 
in the uh -huh. process of saving Scotland, he loses his entire family, he loses yep. everything that he loves. Lady Macduff, even in this little scene, this guy comes in and says, hey, you gotta get out of here, you gotta yeah. go now, mm -hmm. and she doesn't leave. She says, whither should I fly? I have yeah. done no wrong. Uh -huh. And she ends up dying for it. Yes. So everybody, Banquo, never has the conversation with Macbeth. They keep saying, let's talk. But they'll keep saying, That's let's true. talk tomorrow. Let's uh -huh. talk tomorrow. Let's talk tomorrow. Yeah. And so... No, there's no real active discussion of, of implications no, they between keep... the people that are part of the deceit. That's right. right? That's right. That's right. And the, you know, Banquo and Macbeth keep setting a date to talk to one another, uh -huh. and they never get to it. There yeah. always is a time for such a word. There's yes. tomorrow exactly. that we're going to get to it. And they don't. And so every little character, I think, has little moments that you see what they have done yeah. coming back to them, either in a good way or a bad way. Yeah. And, There's and kind of an urgency placed on life when, when you look at it that absolutely. way. Because these people's expectations are never lived up to. Yeah. So we, I was talking to the cast the other day about, um, I just went and saw the movie Wild with uh, Reese Witherspoon. I haven't and, seen it. Uh, yeah, it's really, it's fantastic. And cool. her mother, played by Laura Dern, who's one of my favorite actors, um, it ends up getting getting cancer at 40 and and she's dead within a month of her diagnosis uh -huh. and there's this great line that she has i i thought there was so much time yeah you know uh -huh. and so so i was telling drew Shirley, who's playing macbeth that the yellow leaf speech when he says my life has fallen into the sear the yellow yeah. leaf um and things that should accompany old age as obedience love yes. troops of friends i must not look to have but uh -huh. curses not loud but deep and so there's something about the idea that i thought i was going to have all this time to enjoy sandwiches and yeah. hang out with my friends yeah. and laugh and see movies and listen to music and, and reap the benefits from all the really difficult decisions i've made that you've made and yeah. instead now the the knocking is closing in on yeah. him. The doom is closing in oh, on that's him. Awesome. So so that anyway, it, that yeah. was a very long explanation of what the play is about. No, that's amazing. You touch on a lot of things I don't think you typically see in those um, you know K through twelve study guides, right? <laughs> and there's I've always been fascinated. Yeah, at how... yeah you don't t typically talk about doom no, with K through twelve. Uh, yeah, kids. yeah. <laughs> but you well, know, the but, drum, the done. The, the, sure, yeah. sure, sure. But you know, I think, like I I was saying before. I don't think there's any place that I understood moral relativity better than in high school. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Because you're, you're given it's a... when you're first faced with it. That's exactly right. And you're yeah. given a set of like moral standards and, and you're given a morality from your family. Uh -huh. And then at that time, you start to see the world and go, well, how does that match up? Does that, you know, is that uh -huh. exactly what I've been taught or is it something else? Do I feel differently about it? Or were my parents exactly right? The yeah. older I get, the more and more I find that's the Is it because it's right? <laughs> because it's convenient yeah that's right to have an explanation that's right to simplify things and what does it feel like to actually i mean to actually get away with something yeah you feel it a lot in high school and you and you know because uh -huh. and then you worry about well is that thing coming back to haunt me you know yeah. in this play it literally does it does it, it literally comes back to haunt you there's <laughs> there's a sense um the circularity of the play i find yes really interesting because the play starts and we have a hero um you know macbeth and he's sort of coming home, the hero, winning a war, like you mentioned. Yeah. And the play ends with Macduff kind of in a similar position. That's right. And there's a sense, I mean, it's not so explicit, but there is a sense, if you're paying attention uh, to the, oh, the, the formulation cycle. of it and the cycle, that he's going to be faced with a lot of the same decisions that Macbeth was faced with when he, when he came home. And, and we highlight that, not so much for Macduff as we do for <clears throat> um, Malcolm. 
Okay. Who I think is a very equivocal figure That's and true. supposed to be. We're, I don't think we're supposed to know how we're going to feel about him. Yeah. And I think, and in this production, we are highlighting that anxiety yeah. um, to the nth degree. It's something we I talked with uh, Eric, the actor, about. But I, I, I totally agree with you. If you look at the structure of the play, um, in the beginning, MacDonwald is uh -huh. a traitor. Yes. The guy. Mac Donwald's a traitor. He is killed by Macbeth. Yeah. Okay. In the end of the play, Macbeth is the traitor and he is killed by Macduff. And I go, Will there will there be another MacBlank to come along <laughs> and behead the first, you know, Macduff, uh -huh. and then that McBlank is killed by Macblank. Uh -huh. There's a great line that Marjorie Garber, who's one of my favorite um one of my favorite uh an, people who analyze Shakespeare. She has a great yeah. book called Shakespeare After All. And her, her, she talks about the cycle that does mm -hmm. feel like it's cyclic and that, or cyclical, I should say. And that, um, that the war uh, yeah. or the, the, the tyranny that happens when someone is in charge, she has this great sentence that tyranny is just war catching its breath. Yeah. And I'm like, that's really <laughs> wonderful that we that go from a war to a tyrannical situation back to war. Uh -huh. And then, who knows what happens? Does Malcolm then go on to become a tyrant who goes into war and is beheaded by another McBlank? Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. The, and and I think that that this the you know this is the reason why the, the, the King Lear and Macbeth are considered apocalypse plays because I don't yeah. think I don't think when you get done you go everything will be okay. Now. Oh, absolutely not. No, no, I think you go. All it takes is is well, a is a little pin. You yep. know, a little bit more weight on this end of the scale and the whole thing blows up, yep. you know? And I, I think that's one of the things I talked with the witches about. I was, I was like, here's the one rule for the witches. Yeah. They can't make, they can't force anyone to do anything. They have to allow them to choose it. Okay. They cannot force Macbeth to do anything. All they can do is go, you're going to be king. Uh huh. And then they leave. And then Malcolm all of a sudden becomes <laughs> the Prince of Cumberland and he yeah. goes, well, I have, I have to kill him, right, if I'm going to be king. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't make him do that. All they do is suggest it, and his imagination takes over the yeah. rest. The, the witches do a good job of making you aware what could be. That's That's right. it. Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, um, they just present opportunities and allow you to make the decision. And Macbeth makes makes decision the other way the first time, and then his wife says, no, let's do it this way. And he yeah. goes, you're right. Let's do it this way. Oh, that's amazing. He, he should not have listened to her. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Although but... one of the other things, too, that I want to be really clear about with this show is that I don't think Macbeth and Lady Macbeth are bad people. I think okay. they're people who make bad decisions. For sure. And then they probably become bad people or at uh -huh. least people who can't stop. Yeah. One of the great symmetries of this show is that she says, I want to be... I, I don't I want to be hollowed out. I want to be able to do cruel things and not feel bad about it. I want to be yeah. able I want that ability for myself. And what she ends up what ends up happening is that's exactly what happens to her husband. Yep. He he does terrible things and he can't stop himself. Uh-huh. Pretty oh, soon wow. he doesn't doesn't bother him at all. And she's a she's the thing she's a really afraid of uh -huh. is that he's going to lose his mind. And she's the one who ends who up losing, losing her mind. mind. Yeah, you mentioned uh, I love that quote. The tyranny is just yeah war yeah, catching, war catching, its, catching breath. its breath. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, so is, do you think there's a sense then in Lady Macbeth kind of taking it back to that um, cycle, war and tyranny? Because mm -hmm. tyranny is kind of easy when you're a leader, right? It, it tends sure. to not 
complicate things, at mm-hmm. least at least in, in your own mind as a leader. Is there a sense then if, if Lady Macbeth can really hollow herself out, yeah. if she can remove guilt and her conscience from any sort of equation with her power, with how she achieved her power, is that is that kind of an ultimate ultimate freedom, do you think? To, to be able to act without considering the, the consequences. Good question. That sounds like that's what she's looking for. Well, I think it is. And I think that's, the, I mean, I think that's Hamlet territory. It is Hamlet territory. Absolutely. I think you're totally right. And, and I think that, that Hamlet and this play have a lot of overlap in that mm. when Hamlet comes back from, Hamlet comes back. When he yeah. comes back from England, you know, he does have a kind of freedom of action that a yes. lot of us go, well, that's a, that's a psychopath. Yes, you know what I mean? It's true. But he is free in terms of that action. And the truth is, Lady Macbeth, what she tells Macbeth, if we just do this thing, yeah. who cares? Who knows? No one can question our power. Yeah. And if they just did the thing and then didn't and then didn't do anything else, if they didn't then go on and kill the other people that they were worried about knowing about it. They would have been fine. Yeah. But Macbeth couldn't stop couldn't himself stop. once he started. It's true. That's the irony of it is that she goes, we do one thing and it's over. And he goes, okay. So yeah. he does the one thing and he can't stop. That's, he that's can't stop doing one thing. And yeah. she, she's fine with it. She would have She would have made it. Yeah. We, we experience Hamlet. That's, that's an interesting sort of uh, polarity. Hamlet's like over, over, overwhelmed. By yeah. all the the potential outcomes, uh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, we we hear his thoughts. Yeah, you know, for the better part of forty five minutes in yeah. that play. Yeah, and Lady Macbeth is, is facing something similar, but she's approaching it exactly the opposite. Yeah, doesn't matter. Our power is unquestionable. Yeah, that's right. We don't have to worry about what what it means. We just are going to be in power, and all will be well. Yeah, and that's I think she's like, look. That's what you do. Yeah. That's what you do. When you're on the precipice of power, you you just take that last final step. Yeah. And, like, it's the perfect opportunity. We just won a war. You're a war hero. Uh When Duncan then says, and we've made it very, very clear that if it weren't for Malcolm, that Macbeth probably would be the person to get the throne, even though it doesn't necessarily work that way. He's the hero. He's the one who, he won the battle. He saved the kingdom. We're supposed to be rooting for him. Absolutely. And then Duncan walks over in the middle of this scene that Malcolm's there and says, and my estate will go to my son. And I think it makes perfect sense for Duncan and Malcolm that that's the way that things are going to be. But I do think that once, because the witches showed up and said, you're going to be king, Macbeth's going, that's not the way it's supposed to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that 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 there is that that sort of that moral ambiguity once the once yeah. the witches shows show up. And again, Marjorie Garber's thing is that um Macbeth is in a state of singleness, you know? Yes. Uh and that you know, he, the, the this thought whose murder is yet but fantastical shakes so my single state of man yeah. that function is smothered in surmise and, what, and nothing is but what is not. All of a sudden, he moves into a space of doubleness, yeah. where he is both king and not king. You know, he's both particle and wave, yeah, <laughs> and inspirer and ruler. Yeah, it, that's yeah, that's 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 right. So, and I think in the world of doubleness. Things can be and also cannot be. You can murder someone and not be a murderer. You can da 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 and and the gray the, the gray area the is gray large. area yeah. and that moral sort of ambiguity and moral wilderness allows them to do what they do what they do. But it also comes back to get them in the end. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Would you 
is there maybe a couple discussion questions you'd like to suggest to teachers that are actually conducting um, a discussion with their class after seeing this performance? Oof, yeah. I you, mean, you, you get to be the Cliff's Notes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the Quinn's Notes. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think just the stuff that we talked about here. To me, what's interesting is is you know, what what happens next. Yeah. What happens next in this story? And that's not really the, the story we're telling necessarily, but I think the, uh, I mean, we're not telling the story of Malcolm, but the the play does end with mm -hmm. an ambiguous sort of like, this could go either way. We yeah. could see this whole thing happen again, depending on on what Malcolm does. So yeah. for me, uh, that's a question that I'm interested in is what are they, what what people seeing this show think is going to happen yeah. to, with the next king <laughs> absolutely um because of what he's seen and what he's experienced that to me is something that's really interesting i also think i think a really interesting question is is are, are the macbeths bad people or are they or are they people who made bad decisions yeah you know, i have a very clear point of view about that but somebody else may watch the show that i directed and go uh -huh. no they're bad people yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, however I, much you try to to make it more complicated than that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I also think you know something that's interesting is, um, uh, what what are the, what is the what are the nature of the witches? What are they? Well, yeah, I you was... know, I have a very clear picture of what they are. For okay. me, they are they are mortal women, uh huh, who uh who are what Lady Macbeth and Macbeth end up being. The process of Macbeth is Lady Macbeth and Macbeth becoming like the witches. Gotcha. They're people who've gone too far. And, oh, that's brilliant. And, yeah. You I mean, often, you often see the witches as these kind of dark versions of Ariel, these wispy characters right. moving around. Yes. And for you, it's not that way at all. I don't think it's that way. I think they're. I think what Shakespeare intended them to be is mm -hmm. they in he intended them to be others, the thing that we're afraid of. Gotcha. That, you know, the, if for Shakespeare, it would have been the old woman who lived by herself down at the end of the street. Yeah. And, and she would come out and not talk to anybody, had a billion cats, and would say something nasty to you, and all of a sudden your sheep dies. Yeah. You know, and you go, <laughs> you go wait a minute. I know what, I know this, what is. this is. You know uh -huh. what I mean? It, it was the societal other. For us, I mean, the image that I kind of started with was, uh, you know, the crazy homeless person who walks up to you on the street and yep. says something really scary to you that you go yeah. there's something about looking into the eyes of of these poor people who are you know riddled with with chemical imbalance and uh -huh. and and you recognize something in them and you're also terrified terrified for yourself yeah. but you also feel bad so there's something about that other that i think is in in the witches and that that this play is about, it, it, for me, I keep saying this phrase, that it, it, it's a play about a man who walks into the darkness and becomes the darkness. Oh, and awesome. And I, I think that's what the witches have done. There are women who, for some reason or another, have been have either left society, been outcast by society. Uh -huh. They live in the, you know, I made the joke the other day. It was like, well, no wonder he doesn't trust you. You live in the woods and eat garbage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, but, but like, I, I feel like there are women who, for yeah. one reason or another, have either made that choice or the choice has been made for them that they are not part of society. Mm -hmm. And that, and so what they did instead is they went to the nth degree. They went as far as they possibly could and and now they're conduits to something else. Yeah. What I consider the secretest man of blood. We don't say the devil very much. No. I don't think we say it much in this play at all. 
um, except for the porter, and then it's a joke. Yeah. And uh, we talk about hell a lot, which is about damnation. But I think, really, the, the the for me, the guy pulling all the strings behind this is the secretest man of blood. And I don't know what that means. I don't okay. know that. But that image to me is like Macbeth says it. It comes out of nowhere, and there's something really affecting and terrifying about there's that. There's a heft about that quote. Yes. Yeah. There's certainly. You ever seen Mulholland Drive? I have. I love okay, that film. I do too. You know the guy behind the diner who's pulling the strings of yes, the whole thing? Yeah. That's the secretest man of blood to me. And <laughs> I don't awesome. know. You know what I mean? It's yeah. that David Lynchian concept of who is this person and what is it? I don't know what who it is. Who is the puppeteer? What is the puppeteer? Yeah, and why? Yeah. And why? I'm not quite sure. In fact, to me, it's much it, – I don't want to show the shark. I'm not totally. – you know what I mean? Yep. I, don't, I don't want us to know what that is. This, I think, this feeling of inevitability and of choices are at odds with each other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's going to be hard for me to end this discussion, Quinn. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Thank I you, I could Nano. sit here and talk to you forever, man. Yeah. Um, this is great. Good luck. Awesome. Thanks very much. Our next episode will be with Macbeth and Lady Macbeth in the same Shakespeare in the Schools touring production played by Drew Shirley and Natasha Harris. You can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes to get all upcoming episodes the moment they become available.